Hey, welcome to the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring life change through Christ to all people. And we believe that happens when people say yes to Jesus, do life together, get in the game, and leave a legacy. We hope this podcast inspires and challenges you to grow in your faith. Subscribe to ensure you don't miss a single episode and share it with someone you know who may need it. Again, thank you for joining us today. Now let's get to this week's episode. Here's the thing, right? Last week I started the series, Take This Job and Love It, and talked to you about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 and how God's idea of work originally looked in the perfect world, right? We saw first off that God is good. So that God created the world and he called it good. But secondly, God called his work or God called his creation that he did work. It says in Genesis 1.31, he saw his, his, his work and he called it good. But God, so it shows us that God is a worker, but God just is not a worker. When he created man, he put him in the garden to work. So you had the God who is a worker giving his creation a job to do. And essentially the job of Adam was to carry on the good work that he began and that he started. But then we can also see it was just like God gave man work so he could also, so he could also see, and he could also understand how how God works within us. And I reminded you last week that God is working in you and through your work, it'll actually show you how God is working in you. So we laid the foundation last week of God is a worker. He's given you work. It was a part of God's good and perfect world before the fall. And so we laid the foundation, helping us to see God's intended purpose of work. Well, today we're going to step in to Genesis 3. We were Genesis 1 last week, Genesis 2 last week. This week we're in Genesis 3. And today's subject title is for this sermon is called Work Gone Wild. Work Gone Wild. Can you type wild in the comment section, right? Where, we, where we're going to jump into Genesis 3 and where we see, well, things go wild, things go crazy. Where we see God had his perfect world and then Satan started to do his thing. And then we see how everything from that moment on in Genesis 3 that we're going to actually read goes wild. So we're going to talk about how work has gone wild and how we can keep work from being wild. And by wild, I simply mean it being used outside of God's original intended purpose. So we're going to begin today in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read the, uh, the, the scriptures will be on the screen right there in front of you. It says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. So God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. Shame at their nakedness. So you, you, you might say, John, okay, we're talking. Okay, you've, you've got talking snakes. Two, two people, two people naked in a garden, uh, <laughs> fruit, trees. What in the world does this have to do with work gone wild? Well, I'm glad you asked because actually a lot, 
because because what you see here and 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 what Genesis teaches us and what Genesis three teaches us is is this this didn't just happen at, in some fairy tale story a long time ago. This happens now. Like this is our story of us taking a good thing that God created and turning it into a God thing and how we all have that proclivity inside of us. Because honestly, what you see here is you've got a, like, like Satan took fruit. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a good thing. Even previously, God was like, I'll give you fruit so you can actually do what? Eat it. And so Satan takes something good that God had made and that was good for them and took it, but presented it as not just being from God, but being God. And so he took a good thing, presented it to them as a God thing. And then they received and used that good thing in a wrong way by saying, through this fruit, it will give me identity, security, hope, and value, and essentially take the place of God. So it wasn't the fruit that was wrong. It's what the fruit represented. And what we get from Genesis 3 is, is we see this can be any good thing. The fruit, it wasn't just fruit. It was what the fruit represented. And just think of what the fruit can represent. It's all of the good things in our lives that God has even given us and that God provides for us that if we are not careful, we will drift into a good thing becoming a God thing. Just a couple thoughts here. It could, it could be something like money. Nothing wrong with money, but we have a proclivity to take a good thing, money, and turn it into a, into a God thing. Sex, sex has had sex is given by God. He said, "Be fruitful, multiply." But in but we have the proclivity inside of us to take a good thing and make it a God thing. Marriage, food, sports, technology, alcohol, like all, and but all of those things. But also, work falls into something good that God made. That if we don't take it and use it right and we take a good thing and make it a God thing, then it becomes used outside of its intended purpose. And we have a proclivity inside of us, some of you do, to take work and do that. So Genesis 3 is a lot about work, but it's about any good thing that has the potential to become a God thing. And essentially that is what sin is. When you think of, of, about you know, sin is such a churchy word, and we can sometimes misinterpret it to just be like, God's this cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want us to have any fun, and he just doesn't want us to whatever. No, God, I mean, God is a God of joy. He wants us to enjoy. He wants us to live life. He wants us to, to taste and experience the goodness of life. But there are things that are good things that have to be done in a God-ordained way, in a God-ordained purpose. And when it gets outside of that, then that's when it becomes sin. I, descri I describe sin as, as this. It's a God-given desire or good thing that is used outside of God's intended purpose. And therefore, it becomes a God thing. And y'all, Satan is sneaky with this stuff, man. One of the things in Scripture that it says, and actually 2 Corinthians is it actually, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. One of the things that Paul was telling the churches there, he said this, don't be ignorant of the devil's schemes. And, and essentially what he's saying is, is this like, you, you know, Genesis 3 shows us how Satan works. Like he took something, something, something really, really good. And then he asked, well, did, did, did God really say that? Well, God's holding something back from you. God knows if you take that, you're going to experience it. And it's, and it's, it's, it's going to be better than him. It's like Satan was using these schemes to get into Adam's heart, Eve's heart. And that's what the same thing that Satan will do now with good things. And one of those good things 
is work. So my heart today is to help you keep work in its proper place and to keep work from becoming wild. You might ask, John, how in the world do I know when something has become a God or, or when work has gotten out of its intended purpose? And I kind of referenced it earlier, but I, I, I think it's work can become a God when it's connected to four things. Identity, value, security, and hope. Of when, when your work becomes your identity, when it becomes what you find your value in, when it becomes what you find security in, and it becomes what you find your hope in, that's when it has the potential to have a God-like place in your life. But that's with any good thing, but especially work. And, 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 and that is why to keep work from going wild and to keep work in its proper place. There, and, and this is with, with not just work, but any good thing. I believe you need two things to keep work in its, in its proper place. And the first one's this. Excuse me. Both of them are repentance and guardrails. John, those are boring. <laughs> you were expecting some, some, greater, some, some greater truths inside. But no, but, but when you're talking about what helps keep any good thing in its God-ordained place, especially work, it's repentance and guardrails. I want to talk to you about those two things really, really quick. Repentance simply means in Scripture. One of the first things Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Paul, he, he, he says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. What is repentance? I describe it as being two things. Number one, turning. It's basically doing a 180. You go one way and you turn the other way. But it also means going all in, essentially saying, Jesus, I'm not going to just give you part of me or compartmentalize. All the areas of my life are yours to help so you can help me rethink those things according to what your standard and purpose is. And in the life of a Christian that is trying to take work and put it in its proper place, repentance and guardrails are vital. Repentance. Because here's the thing, we have a proclivity and tendency to drift. We have a proclivity and tendency to drift. One of the things that Martin, the, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said that all a Christian's life is one of repentance. And by that, he simply was saying that if we as Christians, we have a proclivity to drift, if we are not consistently saying, God, examine me, show me where I have gone wrong, and then we repent, we turn back to what God's north is, to what God's best is, if we don't have consistent repentance, then by the time, like, then, then we will never know how far off course we have really gone. And that is, is why he said, all of one's life is one of consistent repentance. Why? Because, can, because repentance means to turn. And when, when, when you come to the Lord and you invite him to examine your heart and you acknowledge where you've gone wrong, what you're then doing is you're turning back to him. This is the story of Scripture. Israel, this was their story. They had this trend of following God. They would drift. They would go really, really off path. God would have to discipline them. They would repent and they would come back right with God. This is typically our story as well. But that is why when it comes to work, keeping work in its rightful place, repentance is so vital. There was this one Psalm that David wrote when he was talking about, he was just overcome with the wonder of God. 
just, just, just the bigness of God. And one of the things that he actually says here is found in Psalm 130, is found in Psalm 139. And he's overcome with just the bigness of God. And this is what he says. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Like, do you you hear his heart here? He says, God, search me. Like, I give you permission to come inside of my, like, to to search me. And if there is any way inside of me that offends you, you have the right to point it out. And and, and this is ultimately what a repentant, repentant mindset and heart looks like. That we give the Lord permission to, like, search me. If there is any way inside of me that does not please you, if there's any way inside, if there's any way inside of me that offends you, lead me to the right path. Lead me. To, and th- this is the heart of what repentance is. And this is what part of prayer is. Like some of you just think prayer is coming to God with your wish, with your wish list. But part of what prayer is, it's coming to God and not just you telling him what you need or what you want. It's letting him search you and tell you, this is where you've drifted. Come back come back. But, but this won't happen <laughs> if you aren't intentional in giving God space and room and permission to speak into your life and, and to search you. And if there's any ways of you that you have offended him, you, you, you actually invite him. But you know what the thing is? It, it's good to let God search, search you, the spirit of God speak to you, but it's also good to let people as well and this is where we can sometimes get what get whatever when we say, oh, you know, only God can judge me. And we don't want people to be judgmental. Well, here's the thing. Scripture actually talks about within the church, we need people judging each other. Why? Because if we judge each other when we stand before God, we won't have to be judged. We won't have to be judged as bad. And what Paul was saying there is it's like it's good to have a Christian brother or sister bring something to your attention that has the possibility of you not being fully focused on Jesus. And one of the ways this can happen is with work. If you're working too many hours, you're not working hard enough, right? Like if, if, if there's a, like, would you give somebody permission to speak into your life if you have drifted in a way that is away from Jesus, especially in the area of work? Repentance keeps you turned in the right direction direction. The attitude of repentance, the heart of repentance is saying, God, search me, know me, examine me if there's any way inside of me. And then it's saying it's, it's lining up. It's not just feeling convicted, but it's actually doing something about it as well. And that's one of the things that keeps work in its rightful place, that keeps any good thing in its God-ordained place is repentance. Secondly, though, it's not just repentance. It's this second thing. It's guardrails. Here's the thing. Repentance deals with your heart and is spiritual. Guardrails deals with your habits and deals with something that I can't remember right, <laughs> right now. Let me go ahead and read it here. Guard, guardrails is practical. Sorry. <laughs> Have, having those moments of like, I know what I'm going to say, but I don't remember. Okay. It's practical. That, that's right. Here's the thing. Repentance is spiritual and deals with your heart. 
Guardrails are practical and deals with your habits. It's heart and habits that keeps a good thing in its God-ordained place. Guardrails are simply practical ways of keeping you in line. Kristen and I, we went out to California in July and we were riding on some high mountains that had no guardrails. And it was one of those places where if, you trust me, you're not looking at your phone and driving. You are like 100%, 10 and two, eyes locked ahead. If we go off of any side here, we're dead, <laughs> right? That was a scary place to be with no guardrails. But it went on those places on the mountains, we had guardrails in place. We felt so much safer and we knew even if we drift some, we have guardrails in place to keep us on the path and keep us alive. With any good thing, any good thing needs guardrails. Your marriage needs guardrails. Your finances needs guardrails. Your relationships need guardrails. And your work needs guardrails as well. Why? To stay in its God-ordained place and God-ordained purpose. Because like I said, the devil is sneaky. And one of the ways we think, one of the ways we beat Satan, one of the ways we go against the, the devil's schemes is spiritual, yes, but it's also very practical. If you're dealing, you know, let's say you have a problem drinking. One of the worst things you can do is have drinks in, in the house. One of the worst things you can do is go to a bar right? You might have a heart to want to change, but if your habits and your guardrails are not in, in place, staying on the narrow path becomes harder. So it's not just, but it's, it's just like, and what I'm saying though is you, you, we can't expect just to beat Satan by having a good heart. You've, you've got to know it's heart and habits. It's spiritual and practical. And those two things work together. So when it comes to work, you are in a state of repentance. God, if there's any way, please show me. If, if I am using work to find identity, hope, security, and please tell me. God, if I am using work just to gain wealth so I can have wealth and be secure, and please tell me. God, if I'm not treating my, the people at my work right, please tell me. God, if I have let work become a God in my life, tell me. If I'm not working hard enough, tell me. You've got that repentant heart, but then you have guardrails in place practically to keep work in its in its proper place. And the way that I think guardrails work, better than just telling you do this, it's asking questions. Because de definitely at points in life, right? So here's the thing, right? It's being descriptive, not prescriptive. I'm not telling you just put these guardrails in place, but it's important that I think sometimes we examine ourselves better when we ask questions. And what I want to do is simply ask you some guardrails, some guardrail questions pertaining to work, all right? Some guardrail questions pertaining to work. First off, do you take a day off? Work might be killing you. You might hate your job. You might hate the people at your job. You might find it's, and it's simply because you don't take a day. You don't take vacation. Like you don't take time to unplug. You don't take time to get away. You might even love your job, but it says, see how important a day off is. It's so important. Even God took one. And I just want to remind you, you're not God. And so if God took a day off and you think you can't take one off, you might need to ask yourself, who do you think God is? Because you might think you're God. You might think you make the world go round. You might think you're the one that makes everything happen. And I get it. It's one of the greatest challenges that I have as a pastor is taking a day off because the needs of people never stop. 
The needs of our city never stop. And I could be tempted, and I failed before, of being, of putting up a guardrail of saying, if I'm going to be emotionally, psychologically, and physically, and relationally healthy, I need to put a guardrail in of I have a day off to rest and rejuvenate and realize I am not the king of the world. I'm not the one ruling the world. The world will go on beyond me. And so if you're struggling with, with work and, and work's becoming a God for you, I would simply ask a question. Do you have a guardrail of a day off? God took one. You need to take one too. Second question. Do you turn off your technology? Because the, the hard thing about work right now is not just that you are at work all the time. You're always available. And though you might not be at work, you've got the potential to be thinking about work. And if you don't drive technology, technology will drive you. And this is something I'm terrible at. This is something that I am, by God's grace, learning to put into practice. It's crazy how many times a day I check my phone not even knowing it. And, you know, I've seen people get really creative with this, where they will create boxes in their homes where they will have a 24-hour period where they're like, we're going to have a technology fast. We are not going to have the phones, you know, there at the dinner table. My point is, is not trying to be prescriptive, but being descriptive is the, the way for you to maybe keep working. It's God ordained healthy place is, is you need to figure out a way not to just not be at work, but not be thinking about work or not be distracted by work. And you might have to get a rein on your technology. Thirdly, are you giving away money? That John, how does that apply to work? Here's it. Here's the thing. Many times we use work to to get money so we can kind of use it as a way to get an identity, purpose, hope, and security. And as, as you have in place a boundary, a guardrail of saying, as I am accumulating wealth through my work, I want to be intentional on not just storing and storing and storing and storing or spending or spending or spending, but also saying, I want to be generous. I want to be giving. I want to be disciplined. In, in ensuring, breaking the power of and what Jesus called mammon over your life, where actually money, mammon, he said, was a, was a spirit. And it is a spirit that essentially says, money is what I find my identity, my hope, my purpose. And, and one of the ways you combat that is even with your work, as you gain wealth, as you gain money, one of the, one of the ways you you fight that is you say, I'm going to be intentionally generous. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you know, re, uh, respond. It's it just to kind of like whatever emotionally is, that is, is, right, is right at that point needing money. I'm going to be disciplined in saying, I want to give to the local church. I want to give to charities. I want to have money set aside that when there are needs, I can meet them. That is a boundary, a guardrail to put in place. Let me ask you this. Are you doing your best at your job? Are you doing your best at your job? Like if you would honestly say you are giving work the best of you. Let me ask you this. Are you acting with integrity at your job? When people think about you, do they think about you as being a person of integrity? Of saying that when they are around you, they know you're going to do the right thing. Are you working for your boss or company? Or... Is God your ultimate boss? Right? Because here's the, here's the thing, right? I, I know one of the ways work can get out of, 
of, uh, of rhythm. It can get out of its God intended purpose is when you just think your bosses are those in, your, in the physical realm and not God in the spiritual realm. And saying whatever you do for your company or your boss, you're not just doing for them, you're doing for ultimately God because he is the ultimate boss. So you've, you, you've got to ask questions here and say out of these questions, then what guardrails do I need to put into place so work doesn't go wild and work doesn't go to be something that is a God in your life or that you see as unimportant or you don't give your best because both of those ways is work gone wild. So, John, work gone wild, how does, what, what, what does work gone right look like? Work gone wild, work becomes a God, a good thing becomes a God thing, work gone wild. You, you don't care, you don't work hard, you treat it as a necessary evil, you view it as, as something that, you know, you don't give it your best. These are two ways to see work gone wild. But I'm gonna give you from the past two weeks, from last week's message and today's sermon, what work gone right looks like. Where you see work as a blessing, given by God because God is a worker. You see work as a way to bring more of heaven to earth and to continue on the good work that God began. You see work as whatever work you do, you are called to do it, not just for the company or boss, but as, a, but as unto the Lord. And here's the thing, through consistent repentance and practical guardrails, you are then protected from work being unimportant, a necessary evil, a place to be lazy or do just enough, or by work becoming a God in and of itself work gone wild doesn't have to, work doesn't have to go wild work doesn't have to be a good thing that turns into a god thing in your life work is a blessing from god that has been given to you to carry on his good work and then as you go to your job every single day you can be commissioned and sent knowing you've been sent by god he is he is the boss the work you're doing has the ability to bring more of heaven to earth and you can keep work in its rightful place instead of work going wild through consistent repentance with, with your heart and practical guardrails in place to keep you along the path of keeping work right where it needs to, to be under God and, under, and within his purpose. Thank you again for joining us today. If you need prayer, have any questions about what you just heard, or said yes to Jesus, please reach out to us at lifehousenn.com or text 757-690-2401. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you and help guide you through the next step in your faith journey. In the meantime, we hope you'll join us next Sunday online or in person. For service times, visit lifehousenn.com.